Welcome to the Anti-Woke Podcast. Let's play fast and loose with some hard and fast rules on race, gender, sexuality, foreign wars, anything the mainstream media is trying to deceive the American public about. And there's going to be some foul language, but let your children listen. It'll put hair on their chest. Or at least it will if you combine it with hormone blockers and testosterone shots. Now let's start by joking around with stuff you should never joke around with. The Barbie movie trailer dropped, and did you like playing with Barbie dolls when you were a kid? Well then screw you. Oh, and by the way, men are evil. Are you telling me that a white actor can't play Black Panther because of slavery? Yeah, that's right. Oh, the 90s called. They want their audio-only running for president announcement back. Oh, that didn't even work. Never mind. The 90s say you can keep it. Do you and your girlfriend both have high body counts? You, because you play a lot of first-person shooting video games? And her, because she slept with a lot of dudes? The Anti-Woke Podcast has developed its pronoun policy. It's based on Fox News' pronoun policy, which is, use people's preferred pronouns, you bigot. Well, enough of that. We ate our dessert before our supper. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes. Last week I was talking about if AI destroyed the world by taking over the banking system and setting everyone's accounts to zero. And I had kind of a funny thought process where I was like, you know, if you give me a million dollars and six months warning so I can start turning that money into, I don't know, gold and bullets. And then if somehow I was magically in control of this AI devastation happening or not happening, that basically, yeah, give me the million dollars and you can let it destroy the world. But then I thought, a million dollar gift, huh? I think the feds are gonna take 30% of that in taxes and the state of Oregon is gonna take maybe 9%, well basically, the government's going to take half my million dollars. And that made me mad. This totally imaginary million dollars that I would get in exchange for destroying the world, and the government was going to take half of it, I was like, these goddamn taxes, they're too high. And I was like, I, and I didn't work hard to destroy the world, but... You know, after I get the money, it's, it's going to be difficult to, you know, I'm going to have to think about buying gold and bullets. You know, I'm going to have to strategize exactly how I'm going to turn all of that into, you know, violence, sex, bullets, and fentanyl after the world goes to crap. I mean, that's a lot of work. I mean, why are you penalizing the people who work hard and giving it to lazy people who can't get off the couch? And I'm like a lifelong socialist who wants to tax the rich, so it's just funny how fast things can change. Trailer 1 for the Barbie movie came out this week. I watch my trailers on YouTube, and I think it seems like movies, they do a teaser trailer, and then trailer 1, and then trailer 2. And it looks like the story is that Barbie lives in Barbie world, and then she has to go to the real world. In Barbie world, it has a cool look, like everything's pink and better than reality, and uh, it's not, we don't know the story. You know, they don't, they try and hold back something from the, in the trailer. A lot of movies don't succeed there. They tell you the most important parts, but. 
So maybe the point of this movie is that men are evil. It's not entirely clear if that's going to be the point, but it might be. There's a scene where Ken is at a hospital and he's talking to a female doctor and he's like, I need a doctor. And she's like, I am a doctor. He's like, no, a real doctor, you know. It makes me think of how in 2020, the media and everyone was like, America's racist. Or more specifically, white people are racist. But, you know, they missed the boat. You know, in about, in about the year 2000, white people stopped being racist. So, I don't know, they're too late. So, like, Ken is a woman-hating misogynist who thinks that doctors can only be men. I mean, whatever. You know, this would have been good social commentary in 1957. People are always fighting the last war, or... It's just funny how far you have to go back. America's racist. What's your proof? Slavery. It's like, that's 160 years ago. America hates women. What's your proof? They didn't, they didn't even have the right to vote. Yeah, 100 years ago. But the weirdest part about the trailer is, you know, occasionally they're putting, I don't know, they'll say something in big pink letters on the screen to kind of clue you in about the movie, and anyways, like partway through, they go, in big pink letters, they, it's, they go, if you hate Barbie, and then they show a little bit more of the movie, and then they, in big pink letters, again, they go, then this movie is for you. And I was like, what the hell did that just say? And so I did a Google search for, if you hate Barbie, then this movie is for you, and I think maybe in some other promotional materials, they have a thing where it goes, if you love Barbie or if you hate Barbie, then this movie is for you. But in the trailer, it just says, you know, they're just like, this movie is for people who hate Barbie. And they don't mention <laughs> if you love Barbie. It was strange. There weren't any mass shootings this week, so that's good. But there was this weird crime where... Uh, South Asian guy rented a U-Haul and crashed it into the railings in front of the White House. And he brought along a Nazi swastika flag. Like you do when you're trying to kill the president and you're crazy and you're South Asian and you think you're a Nazi. And so last week it was a Hispanic who did a mass shooting and he had Nazi tattoos. Now we got a South Asian, so... I think we'll give uh, South Asians get minus one point in the crime game. And, you know, crashing your U-Haul into the White House, um, it's not a mass shooting, but I think we can call it a point-worthy crime uh, because of the Nazi flag. And I debated if I should just put him in with the Asians, because that would have given the Asians negative three points, and they would have pulled ahead of Black's negative two. But I just feel... Putting South Asian in with, you know, East Asian, it just... I have too much respect for the Asians to do that. The head DEI lady at Uber got suspended. Now, it was an Asian lady. She's like a vice president of HR or something. And I'm going to play fast and loose with the story. But I think, you know, while she was doing all sorts of stuff about black people are good and Hispanics are good and Asians are good, maybe... She's Asian, I don't know. See, Asian, you, 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 know, you don't have much more rope than a white lady. But anyways, she did some sort of, probably a Zoom meeting, but she did some sort of conversation amongst employees 
called, I, th I think it was Don't Call Me Karen. And, you know, you probably know, but anyways, Karen is like the N-word for white women. And then it sounds like the black women at Uber were like, that's racist. If I want to call my white female employees Karen, uh, slavery, Jim Crow, I should be allowed to. And the people in charge of Uber, I think they were like, black people on one side, Asian lady on the other, Asian lady, you're suspended. And there's this thing where if you're in a position of power and you got that position because of lies and deception and false narratives, then the most dangerous thing to you is the truth. The truth is a slippery slope kind of thing where you can go from the top and slide down to the bottom real quick. And so the idea that HR departments should protect their white employees from racism, basically, that's a slippery slope. You, you cannot let that go. You cannot let, you cannot let that get started. So Uber sent a clear message to well-meaning but stupid DEI HR people across the world. Uh, no, DEI is not for helping white people. You will lose your job. And so the slippery slope was averted on that one. Let's go over some woke versus anti-woke battles in America. My local school board was replaced by conservatives. I was talking to my woke buddy and he was trying to, he was telling me about the result of the vote and he was trying to figure out what to call them. And I was like, he's like searching for the word. I was like, MAGA motherfuckers? He's like, yeah, MAGA motherfuckers. And he was under the false impression that this is Southern Oregon, rural, white trash. Anyways, he was under the false impression that our school board wasn't woke and doing weird stuff. So I sent him an article. Uh, they've been messing with the bathrooms at the local high school, the one that I went to in, as a freshman. And so now they're kind of unisex bathrooms. Anyone who wants to use the bathroom can except now the stalls, they put like lockable real doors on each stall. And so, you know, basically boys and girls can use the sinks and hang out in the communal area. And then it's supposed to be one girl and you know, this is protect, you know, normally you, I think you have girls bathrooms to protect girls. Anyways, apparently the girls are still protected because they can go into each stall separately and like really lock it and you can't see their feet. And I just, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, I think train, or if there's some sort of transport, basically bathrooms are to get away from boys. Like if a high school girl breaks up with her boyfriend and he's like not happy about it and he's following her around the school wanting to talk and harass and whatever, uh, it's nice for her to have a bathroom that she can go into that he can't follow her. And so now, now she has to go lock herself in the stall and he can like stand in this, he can be in the, the rest of the bathroom where the teachers can't see him and he can, you know, talk to her, yell at her, bang on the door, whatever. And if trans girls or trans boys or whatever, if they also need to be having protection from boys, then, you know, create another bathroom for them or let them use the teacher's bathroom, or something. That's my opinion on that. And the battle against woke companies has gotten larger, so now it's not just Bud Light, but it's Target and the Dodgers baseball team. And I've heard from a couple reputable sources, uh, NBC Nightly News included, 
that Bud Light sales are down 30%. So that's pretty big. And I've got this new theory that it's ESG, you know, ESG is like woke guiding principles for corporations. So it's ESG lenders who lend money to companies and make the companies do woke stuff to get the money. So anyways, that's my theory. And so I just did, I did a Google search for ESG lending. And I think it's, 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 it started in Europe and it's bigger in Europe. I think, you know, I think it's all over America now, but it's really big in Europe. You find a lot of articles about it. And so anyways, there's, there's this article from 2021 where they're talking about how to get a, you know, to get a credit line at a bank to pay your expenses for giant corporations, you know, billion dollar credit lines. Um, they have these ESG requirements. And this article, it was pretty nice. Just it, list, it just gave three examples of companies who have ESG credit lines. And one of them was Anheuser-Busch. I mean, the parent company is AB InBev, and they're Belgian. But anyways, the company that Bud Light is a part of specifically has ESG requirements on their credit line. So I've mentioned it before, but mutual fund companies take your 401k money and buy buy stock in companies and put ESG requirements on them. So basically, mutual funds that own companies require ESG woke stuff, you know, which is like climate change, be racist against whites, and be sexist against men in your hiring and in your board of directors. And then the corporate lenders or the banks that lend the money, they require ESG. But now there's, a, there's another one too. I mean, there's a lot of things that make companies do what they're doing. And so the HRC, uh, Human Rights Campaign. This is the largest LGBTQ2IA plus lobbying group in the world. I think I accidentally called them Campaign for Human Rights at one point. But anyways, HRC, Hillary Rodham Clinton Human Rights Campaign. I mean, they're not, I'm sure they're friends, but anyways, they're not part of the Clinton thing. That's just a mnemonic to help you remember. But so they have ESG scores. There's a lot of places that make up ESG scores. You could make one up yourself and put it on your website. You know, would the company start doing what you tell them to do? Probably not. But the HRC, they, um, they make individualized, itemized notes for every company. Probably, you know, Fortune 500, who knows? Probably the top 10,000 companies in America, whatever. They make lists of things for those companies to do in the coming up year and if the companies do those things then they will give them a higher ESG score so they may you know Bud Light may have gotten a list that said do a transgender influencer Instagram ad campaign with Dylan Mulvaney I mean they may have gotten absolutely specific down to the Nats ass we don't know I want to see some of these uh the paperwork on this but anyways there you go now you can see some of the things that are pressuring companies to be woke and the things that you will have to stop from pressuring companies if you want the companies to stop being woke because like you know every dollar is not equal so a dollar from a beer drinker to Bud Light it's not a very good dollar you got a hot you know you got to pay employees you got to rent buildings you got to buy a bunch of stainless steel brewing equipment you got to you know get fire insurance blah 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 you got to do a whole bunch of crap to get that dollar from the beer drinker that dollar's probably only worth a nickel to you. But a dollar from a lender, which lets you pay your monthly bills, that dollar is worth a real dollar. I mean, that dollar, that's the good dollar. 
It's going to take a lot of beer drinkers quitting before th those dollars add up to just $1 from your lender. And so Bud Light is down. I think Miller Light is up. Turns out that they're woke as hell and they have some sort of ad campaign that's anti-man. Hopefully people can ignore this. You can't... What it is, you're sending messages to all the companies. You can't... You're not really doing it to just Bud Light. So switching to Bud Light, from Bud Light to Miller, just, just pretend you didn't know about Miller being woke. It's my recommendation and I think that's what's happening because the next big boycott target looks... Sorry, yeah, the next big boycott target is Target. And so Target, the giant chain, um, they've been selling a lot of pride clothing or stuff, books and clothing, and they put it at the front of their store for Pride Month, which is June, same as Juneteenth. And, you know, the mainstream media is like, anyone who doesn't like Target is a racist. You're racist against gays. And so the articles you'll see is that Target sells one-piece women's swimsuits that have a special tuck area, which is extra material in case you're a woman with a penis so that the thing fits you better. And it seems to me if you're tucking, you don't want extra material. It seems like it should be a no-tuck. Like, you know, you want your junk, you want who knows what, your pubes coming out the side and just the biggest package possible, I think is what transgender people wearing a one-piece want. But anyways, they call it a special tuck bathing suit. It makes me think of the one time I had an interaction with a transgender person, a trans woman. This is 30 years ago. I was at a concert, My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult, and a trans person walked through, or went through the whole crowd at this concert. Everyone's packed together, and he, she grabbed each, each man's penis through their pants as they went through. They grabbed every penis they could grab on the way through this giant crowd. And they did it so fast, no one could even react. They just, whatever. They got in, they got out. But so the mainstream media is saying, oh, the special tuck one-piece bathing suits don't come in children's sizes. They only come in adult sizes. So that's why you're a racist and you're making stuff up. And I don't know. Anyway, I, don't, you know, I, guess, I guess people on social media, you know, some random person on social media said that they were selling it in children's sizes. And I guess they were wrong. But... Regardless of the swimsuit, they are selling a lot of weird stuff for kids. The word queer. Basically, they've got shirts that say queer, 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 like four times on them. Rainbow-colored shirts, you know, for toddlers, for whatever, for kids of all ages. And I think those adult tuck bathing suits would fit teenagers, you know. I mean, a 17-year-old, of course. And they're selling books. I think one of them's called My Queer Year. I know. If you go to Twitter and search for videos of Target, you can see people going to Target and just holding up shirt after shirt. That's like, I think uh, it's you know rainbows. It says it's not a phase, and also one of the one of the labels or designers that they're selling queer stuff from. Now they're not selling this stuff at Target, but this designer makes other clothing that they sell at other stores. That's like satanic, has a lot of devil imagery on it and whatnot. I mean, take that as you will. I think what's going on with... I think Target has been... I want to say I heard that they've been selling queer stuff for six years. And people didn't really care that much. But the thing is, I, I don't know the exact date it changed. Maybe... Well, it's recent. Anyways, it used to be that meant gay and lesbian. And everyone was like, as long as you don't get in my face too much about it, it's fine. But now gay stuff means transgender stuff. You know, that's... 
two years ago it meant transgender stuff and now it means trans kids like that is the whatever that's if you support gay stuff you've won you you thought you won you you've beaten you've beaten back all your enemies on everything except for trans kids and making kids trans oh finally you can argue with someone over it you can call someone a bigot when you try and make kids trans so like that is what they're pushing to the absolute max and target said they're moving their queer stuff to the back of the store normally it's at the right when you walk in because customers are being violent they haven't provided any evidence of violent customers but they're saying that and then twitter is full of videos of brown and black people you know completely looting like to the last item on the shelf targets like all at once just 100 people run into a target grab everything and run out and the twitter captions will be like conservatives you know attack a target over queer stuff but here's the thing you know here here's my uh you know stuff you shouldn't say out loud shouldn't think but you know if you buy a shirt that's rainbow colored and it says queer 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 or it's not a phase you know for your 12 year old daughter or she buys it or whatever it's like what does that shirt mean i mean it's not a phase that means that they're not going to grow out of it what are they not going to grow out of well they're not going to grow out of being queer well what's queer and here's the part that target shouldn't be making me think about but what queer means is for this 12 year old girl it means that she's eating pussy instead of you know being on the bottom missionary style having sex with the boy to put it very crudely and bluntly so target is selling shirts to 12 year old girls where they can announce to the world that they like hoo-hahs not pee-pees and they're never going to change their mind about it and then the dodgers got into this stuff it was kind of funny um they were having you know it's they have a pride night apparently where they do gay stuff and they were honoring the sisters of perpetual indulgence which is a bunch of gay guys i think now they got trans in there but it's it's a long-standing thing of basically gay guys gay guys who dress up in very scary looking face paint and they dress like nuns and they do anti you know it's anti-catholic stuff they I don't know, put man juice or something into cups. I don't know. I don't know. Someone told me, don't look at videos of what this group does. And I went and did not look at any videos of what this group does. But basically, they're a gay group that, I think they get together and get drunk and, you know, bar crawl, go from bar to bar, and then at the end of the night, they all have gay sex. But they also raise money for, I think, making your kids gay. And so that's why they're a heroes of the community and the dodgers are promoting them well so they were promoting them and then people are like hey you shouldn't be promoting this group it's like you know it's a it's a group that hates christians and catholics and probably anyone on the right but in particular hates catholics and so the dodgers are like okay we're canceling that we're not honoring the sisters of perpetual indulgence and then everyone's like that's racist against gays you can't be canceling that so they're like okay we're bringing them back so the latest word is they are honoring them, but now they're adding, I think a month later, they're adding a Christian, they're adding a Christian night. So it's kind of like, you know, one night you honor people who want to kill Jews, and then another night you honor Jews. It's all even Stevens. Here's a little clip from the Glenn Show podcast about reparations. It's just fun.
You remember this play, Two Trains Running? I remember it well. Two yeah. trains. I want my ham. You remember that? You remember the remember guy that would come in? It was set in a diner. It was just this beautiful August Wilson, deep, very complex human thing oh, that's really going on. It's not just about reparations. It's not, you know, there's a the girl that scars her leg, the, the one who's, uh, you know, the waitress in the diner. And there, there's a guy who's coming and just gotten out of prison who's kind of trying to hit on her. And there's all this, all this really good stuff that's going on in this play. But I remember this character who would come in ranting because the white man told him, if you paint my fence, I'll give you a ham. The brother painted the fence and the white man tried to pay him with a chicken. <laughs> you promised me a ham. Well, you're going to take the chicken or nothing at all. And he wouldn't take the chicken. And he was ranting for a decade after the event. I want my ham. I'm not trying to make fun of him because after all, he was doing ham and he got a chicken. But there was, and if if that's your vision of of African American history, then reparations is your is is your ticket. And this is the big week for the movies. The Black Little Mermaid came out, and it's my belief that all this race swapping and making, in particular, red haired characters um, black, it's not just about lifting up black people. It's also about fuck whites. And so you can do a thought experiment to try and figure that out. Like to figure out if something's racist, you just flip the races. Like if a company, say Google, is passing over, say, black engineers to hire white engineers, obviously that would be racist. So when they, in reality, pass over whites to hire blacks, you know, that's also racist. So you just have to imagine, I don't know, I mean... First thing that jumps to everyone's mind is Black Panther. What if they did a white Black Panther? Uh, you know, the mainstream media, people on the left, that would not be okay with them. And so they race swapped the Little Mermaid. You know, why did they do that? Because they wanted to be nice to black people. Like a number of years ago, you'd hear people say, oh, they were just the best person for the role, but you don't hear that anymore. They're just, you know, it's too obvious. It happens too much. That's obviously not the reason anymore but they wanted to be nice to black people. Now, you're not allowed to switch races and make them white anymore, so, you know, that, that would be being nice to white people. You're not allowed to do that thing. So if you're not allowed to be nice to someone, that's the same thing as being mean to someone. You're like, hey, John Smith, we're not raising your taxes. We're just lowering the taxes of every other single person in America. It's just, you know, there's more than one way to be mean to people or a group. And so The Little Mermaid made $117 million domestically for the four-day Memorial Day weekend, which I think that's medium. It's not good. It's not bad. Now, the racial demographic was 35% black, 26% Caucasian, 25% Hispanic, and 11% Asian. Which is very good black numbers, pretty terrible white numbers. And 117 million, that's basically the exact same. It's within a million dollars of what the Disney remake of Aladdin made in 2019. So first off, we've had, you know, 10, 15% inflation since then, so... It's actually less than it made back then, but when it comes to movies, people, a dollar today is the same as a dollar in 1940 a lot of times, 
even though a dollar in 1940 would buy you a house. So it's a Disney live action remake with people of color. Aladdin had, um, I think it might have been an Indian Jasmine, not Persian, but anyways, people of color. And then uh, Will Smith was the black genie. And so it's hard to say, you know, people are going to want to throw around, around accusations of racism. And like, look, Aladdin did so good because they're all white. Oh, wait, none of them are white. And for whatever reason, Aladdin had 45% whites, so did way better with whites, and 11% blacks, which did way worse with blacks. So maybe whites are staying away from the Little Mermaid, not because they're racist, but as a boycott against Disney. I mean, there's so much boycotting going on. And apparently black people, I don't know, Will Smith ain't black enough or something. But Aladdin started off, well, the same domestically. It's, you know, it started off medium, but people liked it, and it ended up making a billion dollars globally. Which that's like, you know, if a movie, how do you know if a movie's a giant hit? Well, did it make a billion dollars? Because that's the easy rounded off number. And so they, the two movies made the same amount domestically, but Aladdin did great overseas, and The Little Mermaid is flopping overseas. So it's not going to make the billion dollars. It's not going to, it's not going to go down in history as a giant hit. We'll see how bad it is. I mean, it kind of makes me think like Bud Light sales are down 30%. If you were to take 30% off of Aladdin, you'd end up with, you know, you go from a billion down to 700 million. It would not shock me if that's about where Little Mermaid ends up. And then the, some more weird stuff going on internationally. Um, like some, you know, where foreign websites and foreign languages where people, where users go on there and rate movies, they're getting like super low ratings for The Little Mermaid. So like in America, people are like, fuck The Little Mermaid. I'm going to go give it one out of 10 on IMDb, you know, to send a message to Disney to say that race swapping fairy tales is stupid, etc. But I think what France, China, Korea, and I think some other country, I don't know, there's just some article on the internet that's talking about all those countries having the people there getting caught up in the culture war. Possibly, possibly. And the Asian market is funny. That's where a lot of, you know, outside of America, a lot of money is spent in Japan, China, and Korea. And maybe, I mean, there's accusations that China is racist. Um, Disney's kind of famous for changing their movie posters, like... When they did their Star Wars posters, there was the there was a black character amongst all the characters, and like that black character was really big and front and center on the poster in America, and then they made him real small and put him in the back on the Chinese movie poster. And the Chinese movie pro poster for The Little Mermaid, it's it's hard to tell that she's black. Probably not coincidence. But here's the thing, since we're comparing it to Aladdin, which did have lots of black and brown people, um, Aladdin did phenomenally in Japan, also in Korea, and did really damn good in China. And I don't think The Little Mermaid is out in Japan yet, but um, it's tanking in China and Korea. I think those three countries added up to like $250 million for Aladdin. So, you know, when you're trying to get to a billion... There's a quarter of, quarter of it just from those East Asian countries, and it looks like Little Mermaid ain't getting that. But well, we don't know about Japan yet. 
Okay, and did I did I say that next week the big movie coming out is the Black Spider-Man movie? And that's called Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. It's a cartoon. You may have seen the first, it's a sequel. You may have seen the first one. The first one was kind of a box office flop. And then on streaming at Netflix, it was a giant hit. So it's not clear if this thing's going to be a box office hit or not. And like black people didn't seem to consider Will Smith and Aladdin a black thing to support. So I don't know. I don't know how they feel about the black Spider-Man. Well, basically, it's called Legs. How much legs does a movie have? Which is, you know, a lot of them make a bunch of money the first weekend, but then if they're bad, they don't do well afterwards. you got to have legs to get to a billion. That's, Aladdin didn't make a ton. It just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. Um, all right. Little Mermaid and Aladdin both got an A cinema score, the second highest score. So people like them. That means if the Little Mermaid doesn't make money, it's a message. It may it may be they're sending a message to Disney. Oh right. And then there there's some the Chinese government has its own newspaper and they put out a article talking about race swapping the little mermaid. And I mean I think they just went and watched some YouTube videos of the guys I watch because they're like, why you know, why, why do you gotta race swap the little mermaid, you know? Or and always pushing this racism narrative. And, you know, instead of taking beloved characters and making them black, why don't you create new black characters? I mean, they said that. The Chinese government basically is like, why don't you create new black characters if you're trying to uplift black people? So, Aladdin made twice as much globally as it made domestically. And The Little Mermaid is currently looking like it's making half as much globally as it's making domestically. So, we'll see how that goes. And then Fast X, you know, whatever. Fast X had its second week. It didn't do good its first week. didn't do good its second week domestically, but it's doing good internationally. And Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is in its fourth week, and it's doing good. This is the mixed messages. That's a Disney Marvel movie. But it's not woke. What does that mean? Super Mario Brothers is doing good again in its, I don't know, tenth week or something like that. Oh, and apparently they were going to make an Aladdin sequel until Will Smith got up at the Oscars and slapped Chris Rock. So what's going to happen to Halle Berry? Um, like, you know, the big up-and-coming black actor from Ant-Man Quantumania, um, Jonathan Majors, he got caught beating his girlfriend, and so it looks like his career's on the rocks now. What about her? I don't know. I watched Grace Randolph Beyond the Trailer on YouTube, and so... I mean, whatever. Everything she talks... I, She's super woke. Everything she talks about is about race and stuff like that. Anyways, Halle Bailey, the little Little Mermaid actress, uh, you know, she's the the next Black Hope or whatever for acting success. Now that Jonathan Majors got screwed, and so Halle Bailey is coming out with the color purple. They're re they're redoing the color purple. If you remember that movie. Um, that's a great book. There you go. There's a recommendation for everyone. Um, go read The Color Purple. Absolutely great book from the early 80s. It was a giant hit. And then there was a movie that I think was, I don't know, I think I didn't watch it. Spielberg. And now they're remaking the movie, like Oprah's in charge or something. And uh, I don't know, they're reimagining it. There's, it looks like, like in the book, everyone's dirt poor and it's just a crappy life. And the guy beats his wife, the main character. 
even though they are in love, I, I think that wouldn't fly in a movie today. All right, that was Whoopi Goldberg when she was young. For the trailer for The Color Purple, it's like, they all get rich. I don't know. I, I think maybe they're going to get superpowers and become like a Black Avengers. I don't know. Well, that's a hot take. But here's the hot take. Halle Bailey is looking pretty fat when she's on the red carpet. And so Jonathan Majors may have shot himself in the foot by beating his girlfriend. Uh, Halle Bailey, you know, she's young and attractive and she can sing. Like those are the, those are what she's got. So if she's just really fat, she may shoot herself in the foot. She may not be the next great black hope. I'm going to throw in a little life hack about super glue. So once you open a tube um, and you puncture the top part of it, keep it tipped down for the rest of its life, or at least every time you use it. So the next time that you open it, have it pointed tipped down. When you dribble out a drip onto whatever, keep it tipped down. And when you put the cap back on, keep it tipped down. And that will prevent it from drying out and making you have to throw away the tube. I think super glue is activated by water of all things, but there's water and air, so you're just trying to keep the air out of the tube. And once you have the cap back on, you can throw it in your miscellaneous drawer and have it get knocked around willy-nilly. And I'll tell you my old life hack, which didn't work that good, but I used to, you can go on Amazon or eBay and you can get like 10 little tubes of super glue for five bucks. And then that meant you got, you know, 10 times. Usually you just need a drop. So you'd get out your little tube, you'd open it for the first time, you get out your one drop, and then you go back to use it six months later and it would be dried up and you throw it away, but you'd have nine more from your 10 pack. But since I started keeping it pointed down, uh, you know, whenever possible, these little tubes last me forever. There was a little bit of news about Tucker Carlson getting fired from Fox. And I can't remember where I heard this stuff, but it's a little bit better than just, you know, Joe Rando on Facebook says. But it may be true that Tucker Carlson was fired because of this voting machine lawsuit that Fox News lost and, you know, and they agreed to pay $800 billion. And also, apparently, Fox News has a pronoun policy, which is use people's preferred pronouns. And if that's true, it's slotting in nicely to this theory that I'm developing that financial institutions like the big banks are pushing ESG and they're forcing it onto companies. And remember, ESG is like woke business practices. E stands for environment, which says you got to run your business with climate change in mind. S is social, which means that you need to hire diverse people and females and your advertising campaigns should probably include some transgender individuals and G is governance which says that a certain per uh, percentage of your board of directors needs to be people of color and female. ESG is basically DEI plus climate change or climate change is racist so it's so that's rolled into DEI it's the same thing as DEI but for giant corporations and we already knew that companies that own tons of shares of stock are pushing ESG like BlackRock and Vanguard which invest your 401k use that money and attach it with ESG rules to you know do stuff that the person the retiree probably didn't want but so that's one place where you know and remember money talks bullshit walks that's one place of money but the other money is 
lenders to the companies. And European lenders are very fond of attaching woke rules to their lending, but American lenders are doing the same thing too. So that's all true. Now here's my speculation. Fox News is not sitting on $800 billion in cash. So they're going to have to go to probably one of the, you know, big, too big to fail, big four banks and say, hey, we're making tons of money, but we don't have the cash. Can you lend us $800 billion? And the bank is like, we know you're good for it, but it's going to come with some woke ESG strings attached. And that's speculation. But in fact, so if I stop there, that is very, very likely to be true. And now let's get more speculative, which is, you know, would they say uh, one of the strings attached is you got to fire Tucker Carlson? I mean, I doubt that, but maybe some rules that Tucker Carlson wouldn't abide. Like you need to fire however much of your staff you have to and hire, you know, POCs and females so that you get up to a certain percentage. Or you got to use some preferred pronouns. I mean, that stuff doesn't sound right to me. Let me think. What would be more realistic? I could very easily see a bank having a rule that says we don't lend to people who don't toe the line on the January 6th narrative or the Ukraine narrative. Yeah, big time. I mean, banks already have rules where they say, uh, we, you know, we don't deal with people who spew hate speech. And remember, hate speech is just anything your political enemies say. So I would not be shocked, shocked I say, if Tucker had said stuff that makes him run afoul of, you know, rules that mean anything that the people want and woke people are in charge at financial institutions. And so, you know, Fox News, they're so big and powerful, who could tell them what to say and do? Uh, well, so mutual fund companies and, and banks. And then it's like, well, who the hell can tell them what to do? Well, it's the government who is told what to do by the voters, and now you're herding cats. I accidentally say motherfucker in this coming up segment, so if there's kids in the car, turn down the volume. A tree fell in the woods, and no one was around to hear it, but it fell on Ron DeSantis. So Elon Musk and Ron DeSantis did a Twitter Spaces for Ron DeSantis' announcement that he's running for president. I mean, everyone knew he was, but he hadn't announced. So what is Twitter Spaces? Uh, I think no one knows to start with. The percentage of Americans who actually use Twitter is small. And I think I use Twitter way more than most people, and I barely use it. And I think I heard, oh, Elon Musk is going to interview Ron DeSantis on Twitter at... 3 p.m. Pacific, so I went on Twitter, and I've been hearing about how Twitter has video, and like I'm like, you know, that sounds cool, like a free speech platform, or, you know, relatively free speech, that has video that, you know, if you can't put it on YouTube, you could put it on there, and it used to be you could only put videos that were a few minutes on Twitter, but now you can put longer ones, or at least I think so. Like, all I've seen, I've seen screenshots of long videos on Twitter, but I've never actually seen the long videos. And I've looked for them. I mean, not a long time, but I've spent several minutes like, oh, let's go find one of these long videos. Couldn't find it. And there's something fucking wrong with Twitter. I think, I think Twitter is on Elon time. Like, if you're a fan of SpaceX and the rocket stuff, then you'll hear people say Elon time. 
And that's because he's always saying, oh, you know, three months from now, we're going to do this amazing thing. And then a lot of times they do that amazing thing, you know, a year later, five years later. And for instance, Tesla is coming out with the Cybertruck, which is basically an electric pickup truck. And supposedly it's coming out uh, in September this year. And Ford has a pickup truck that's already out. Uh, there's a company called Rivian that's out. But in fact, I'm not sure how many trucks Ford can produce a year. It's like 10,000. It's, it's not enough to matter. So if the Cybertruck comes out September this year, it's still the, basically the first real electric pickup truck. And it's going to, whatever, it's going to beat the pants off of everything else because supposedly they'll be doing a quarter million of them a year. But the difference between Cybertruck and Ron DeSantis is that I'm not buying a Cybertruck and they didn't tell me 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific to, you know, get my Cybertruck. And while I would like to tool around town in my cool Cybertruck picking up hot chicks at the Tasty Freeze, you know, more realistically, I'd like to uh, Bigfoot these woke motherfuckers. And Ron DeSantis is, was, looking like the best chance to do that. And so I'm sure they said it was going to be a Twitter Spaces. And I've actually kind of done a Twitter Spaces before, but I didn't know it. Sometimes people I follow will post a link or something you can click on. And you click on it, and a little pop-up happens. And you see some icons for people, and they're talking, and you can hear them. So the future is here. It's amazing. You get to see some static images of people's icons and hear a teleconference. And it's using the internet, so it, anywhere in the world you can do this amazing thing. It's like this amazing thing. You've probably heard of it, but never seen it before. It's like a podcast, like the future is now. Anyways, to find out that there was going to be no video for this Elon Musk, Ron DeSantis thing, uh, I mean, the, what a, just stupidity. Stupidity all around. I think you can lay it all at Elon's feet. And I'm cutting out my laughing here so you don't, you don't hear it, but it's just so stupid. God, it makes me laugh. Anyways, it was not going to be a video thing. It was just going to be this, you know, hey, the, the 90s called and they want their audio-only internet thing back. And then it didn't work. Like, it went on for 20 minutes. And maybe you'd hear the sound of someone's sleeve brushing against a microphone. Someone going, is it on? And someone else, uh, no, I don't think it's on. And they eventually did get something to work. So David Sachs from the All In Podcast, one of my favorite guys, I guess he was going to moderate a discussion between Elon and DeSantis. So anyways, they moved it over to his Twitter account because Elon has too many followers and that breaks the Twitter servers and like that was the positive spin that people were trying to put on it like oh Ron DeSantis is so popular he broke the internet and anyways I wasn't actually trying to listen to it at the exact second that it was on are you crazy I don't let stuff like that run my life so I came in a couple hours later I listened to the clip of the is it on yet Thing. And then also in my feed, there was a clip of the real one, but I don't know, for some reason, when the first one, even though they the, both, the, the, the one that didn't work and the one that did work had both happened by the time I got to Twitter, uh, 
I was fed up. <laughs> I was fed up with waiting, even though I hadn't waited, and the bloom was off the rose. It was like I had a hot blind date with a 20-year-old, but she took so long to get there, she was a grandma. And yet it all happened in one second. So DeSantis is, you know, why is he better than Trump? Um, I think it's supposed to be because he's competent. So that didn't work out. And so this coming up presidential election is not looking so hot to me. I mean, I voted for Biden. I thought he was going to be good. And it turns out his administration is racist as hell against white people. They're not sure if women with penises should be able to compete in sports against women with vaginas. They let the arms manufacturers control them and cook up a war between Ukraine and Russia to make money. And right now I think it's Trump has 55%, DeSantis has maybe 25% of Republican primary voters. So Trump is going to maybe get it, you know, we got the option of another go around with him where he will fail to build a wall or do anything else useful and then the swamp will drain his ass. Remember how Trump said he was going to drain the swamp? The swamp includes the FBI who meddled in the internet and caused him to lose. I mean, the swamp beat him like a frickin' pinata at a, I don't know, I can only think of something racist, so just like a pinata. And earlier in the day, before this disaster, I did not make that up, I watched a video on YouTube, Breaking Points, um, where there was, I don't know, this, I don't know if this is true, probably not true, but there's these videos going around on TikTok of construction sites in Florida that are empty of workers. And this is because DeSantis and the Florida legislature have mandated e-verify, which is the thing where you, you know, corporations or companies cannot hire illegal immigrants, otherwise the company gets sanctioned. It's not just a thing between the illegal immigrant and the government, and if the government doesn't do nothing, then they can do whatever the hell they want. There's actual teeth to it because it goes towards the company owner. But you know, if you want if you want jobs for, I don't know, like you know, young black men who have low skills and don't know how to show up on time for work, well, you can't let companies have like two options. Hey, you could either have this young black man who has no skills and won't show up on time for work, or here's a hundred illegal immigrants who'll do it for half the price under the table and they'll work, you know, they'll work like crazy. Well, you can see what the companies are gonna do. And to fix that young black man who can't show up on time for work, unfortunately, what he needs is a job anyways. He needs a job where for several years he works until eventually he does show up on time for work. And then he has to do that for a couple generations. And then his grandkid, first day on the job, will be someone who shows up on time for work. Instead of America just throwing, you know, throwing millions of black men in the trash, because we don't need them because of illegal immigration. And Trump had the option to do E-Verify. He turned it down because he's, well, I think he's, you know, he's incompetent. He never did anything right, but he didn't do that one right, I think, on purpose because he's like, oh, well, rich people don't want that. They like being able to throw workers they don't like in the trash because they have a hundred other workers who will work for half the money. All right, I'm just going to keep complaining. And then... Like DeSantis, it was looking like he might be on the right side of war stuff. 
because he initially said that, you know, we should stay out of the Ukraine war. I mean, what we should have done was not start it. And then now that we started it, do we got to help them? I mean, it's messed up. As a reminder, the 2014 coup that America took part in where we ganged up with the Nazis to get rid of the pro-Russian um, president. Anyways, that was how that all went down. But DeSantis was like, yeah, we don't, I don't like that war. And then I think he had to backpedal. So he's just like a normal, at least on, I think on war stuff, just like, you know, Obama. Oh, I hate war. He came in there. I was like, I love war. Let's start a war in Syria. Anyways, DeSantis ain't going to be that great. But, you know, he could do, sounds like at least one thing, immigration, he could have done right, which would be, you know, your other options are zero things done correctly. And a reminder on, you know, the, you're like, oh, well, the thing I care about is the economy. Well, Trump did a $2 trillion stimulus, and then he tried to do a second $2 trillion stimulus, but Nancy Pelosi was like, and he tried to do it right before the election that he lost, and Nancy Pelosi was like, if he gives away, you know, if he gives out a free $2 trillion a second time, he's going to be president. So she said, you know what, we're going to do it like a week after the election. And, you know, she's a smart cookie, and that's how Biden got in there. And then he did Trump's second $2 trillion, which caused inflation, etc. So Trump was going to screw up the economy. I mean, he had it, he had it written. It was all down on paper. He was about to do it. Pelosi said, hold my beer, and... Biden came in and ruined the economy. And back to immigration, like, you know, I understand if you live in a shithole country and you want to make a better life for yourself because, you know, the gangbangers are raping your daughter or whatever. But you know where a lot of these illegal immigrants are coming from is Venezuela and Cuba. And those are two countries that were really, really nice back in like the 1950s. Go watch The Godfather, or The Godfather Part 2, when they go to Cuba, when it's nice and there's all casinos and stuff. Anyways, those two countries are shitholes because our military-industrial complex finds it useful to screw them over for political reasons, which can then be turned into money. So we are making countries bad so that then they send their people here. And that's not every country, but that's a lot of them, you know, like... Hey, if you want to be nice to these people, instead of letting them in here, why don't you just stop screwing up their countries? And I, I came across a good stat the other day. America sells weapons to 57 autocracies around the world. So this Russia-Ukraine war, supposedly America is fighting autocracies in the name of democracy. But in fact, it just depends on which autocracy you're talking about. And there's 57 of them, you know. The U.S. government doesn't let arms manufacturers sell weapons to anyone, just only to countries that we like. And we love ourselves tons of autocracies. It's just pure hypocrisy and money. And I'm a lifelong Democrat, and now they become racist warmongers. And now one of my favorite guys, Elon Musk, has done some 3D chess and meant we're going to keep it that way. And then Trump is my favorite comedian, um, so he put out a, a made-up version of DeSantis' announcement where it's like DeSantis and Hitler and Satan. It's pretty funny, though. Can you hear me? We can all hear you, George. Can you just hold on for a second? Hilfa, I don't think they can hear me. <coughs> I hear you fine, George. Just speak to the I don't mic think George knows how to use Twitter. Hello! Uh, can you hear me now? Can I please make my big announcement now? Everyone just... Hello! Just shut up, George! Can somebody just mute George? <laughs> Dick? <laughs>
Could you try not to cough on that? <clears throat> okay, so how are we going to take out Trump, you guys? Uh, uh, guys from the FBI, this is not a private call. This is a public Twitter space. Everyone can listen in. Uh, anyway, guys, we uh, invited everyone to this uh, this Twitter space so Governor Ron DeSantis could... <coughs> everyone just shut the hell up so I can make my announcement, okay? You go, girl. Wait, the devil is gay? So what? Everyone in this call is gay. All you bitches coked up look tired. I'ma come through slash a bitch tires. I heard a song I like in a movie trailer the other day. I think it was trailer number two for No Hard Feelings, which is uh, Jennifer Lawrence doing like a raunchy sex comedy where the parents of some nerdy guy, maybe going off to college or something, hire her to have sex with him. I don't think I'll be watching the movie unless everyone agrees that it's hilarious. And does this movie show that America is in decline? I mean, in the 80s, we had tons of raunchy sex comedies, but it was always like guys, you know, Tom Cruise is going out to get laid for the first time or whatever. I think that movie is called Losing It. And for you old fogies out there who remember the 80s, the movie Porky's, I think, is, you know, the, the small budget and then the giant amount of money it made at the box office. It may be like the biggest money-making movie ever. So now maybe we have a 2023 version where it's the woman is, well, I don't know, she's not trying to hook up with nerds, but, you know, she's the promiscuous one or the sexy one or something. I've been hearing this word or term a lot lately, body count. I think it can apply to men, but mostly it's for women. A woman's body count is the number of dudes she slept with. So there, I taught you some new internet lingo. Oh, also, LOL stands for laugh out loud. But there was this song playing in the background of the trailer that was really catchy and I was enjoying it. And I'm, I'm 50 years old. I mean, I don't, I don't like new music. I don't like anything that came out after Kurt Cobain killed himself. And I don't mean I'm a Kurt Cobain fan. It just happens that the day he killed himself was the day that all the other musicians stopped making good music. And the song is catchy and... I hear this lyric, I'm a cunt, not a bitch. And I was like, that's a clever lyric. I like that. The person who wrote this is a good writer. And long story short on that part was that the singer, she didn't say that. I made that up, so I'm the clever writer. And so I was trying to find the name of the song so I could, you know, listen to it without the trailer mixed in with it. And... I guess there's a Nicki Minaj song that's, that's the famous song from the trailer. There's more than one song. So I was, you know, I was sent to a YouTube video of Nicki Minaj's latest thing. I think she's doing it with Ice Spice. There's like all these raunchy female rappers out now. And uh, I don't know, I thought Ice Spice was a pretty good name. Um, it's like Vanilla Ice mixed with the Spice Girls. Ice Spice. Anyways. I listened to Nicki Minaj and her for a little bit, and I still do not like that music at all. There's nothing in it you can hum to. I don't know. They're not good rappers, etc. And I don't know if Nicki Minaj just eats whatever the hell she wants, you know, fast food all day, uh, and it just goes to her butt, or if it was AI. I think maybe they just made her butt bigger with AI. It was, 
It was not attractive. It was, I, it was, it was unhuman, inhuman. The size of her butt and shaking her butt and Ice Spice was shaking her butt. I mean, I wouldn't say go try and find the video. It's the same as all our videos, except for the possibility of an AI butt or something. But I did eventually find the song that I was looking for. It's by a woman named Lourdes, L-O-U-R-D-I-Z. I'll put a link in the description if I remember. And she's a Mexican-American woman in her 20s, and she has like a stripe shaved down the middle of her hair. Like she has long, straight, Mexican-style hair, except for a shave spot right down the middle. I mean, if you're trying to stand out in today's music with whatever, uh, it's the first time I've seen that haircut, haircut, so I guess that works for her. And apparently she's a songwriter, and she's written songs for, I don't know, G-Weezy, or, you know, whatever, rappers I never heard of, but somewhat famous rappers. But she's not that famous of a singer herself, and so her video for this song it had like 280 views on YouTube, and I was like, wow, I'm one of the first people to be aware of this song. That, that felt kind of cool. And there was a few comments below it where people were like, oh, I heard this on the movie trailer for No Hard Feelings. I love this song. And one of the lyrics from the song I like is, I'm a cheat on guys because they all do it too. And it's funny, there's just this new crop of female rappers who constantly talk about sex. Or at least, I think that's a true statement. I don't actually listen to it, but I know there's a famous Cardi B song a couple years called WAP, Wet Ass Pussy. It had lyrics that were like, get a bucket and a mop for my wet ass pussy. And there are stats about how young people today are having less sex than ever. I mean, I don't know, compared to like the 50s or in the 50s you just got married. And so at 18, you were having tons of sex because you were married. I don't know. And then young people today, it's the boys that are having much less sex than the girls. But I think the girls are not having as much sex as the girls back in my day. It's like that thing where they always say, oh, the weed today. It's not like the weed from back in your day. And I'm going to make up some stats, but it's something like the 10% most attractive men on Tinder have sex with the 90% most attractive women on Tinder, which means that maybe there's, you know, one guy per 10 women, and so obviously it doesn't lead to any committed relationships. And yes, there's nine other guys, but they're not getting any. And I don't know if Nicki Minaj is your typical sex rapper female, but um, I looked up her dating history, and it's not just a series of one-night stands or something. She's got, I mean, you know, she's been with a lot of guys, but it's like, this guy for seven years, that guy for five years. I mean, it's a bunch of I think they're black male rappers, as far as I can tell is what she dates. I mean, she's rich as hell, she can choose. And then guy rappers will rap about sex a bit, but at least the ones I remember from back in the day, you don't write a whole song about sex. It'll be like, I don't know, like Snoop Dogg, he said, uh, it ain't no fun if my homies can't get some. I mean, they talk about liking to have sex, maybe that they're not gay, and they like to treat women like dirt. But the lyrics, they would get in and get out. They wouldn't go on and on about it. And it makes me think of like the difference between magazines for men and magazines for women. Like one of the first things me and my roommates did after we got our own place after high school was one of us, I forget who, uh, 
got a subscription to Playboy for a year. And even though Playboy articles are actually well written, we didn't do that. It would just be, it would come in the mail, you'd open it up, you'd look at the pictures, you'd set it back down. I mean, you didn't do anything naughty, you know, that you needed your other hand for. You just, whatever. It took you a few minutes of looking at the pictures and you'd hand it to your buddy and then you'd put it on the coffee table and then you'd throw it away. It's like, you know, it's like Christmas cards. Like, you know, you get these Christmas cards and then they sit around and you're like, how long do I have to hold on to this before I throw it away? And I haven't actually read any Vogue or Cosmopolitan magazines, but I think they have long articles about sex. Like that's, I don't know, that's the part that the, the woman buys the magazine and that's the part that she, you know, that's the few pages she goes through and then she throws hers away, throws it away. And you can see the articles on the cover, you know, it's like seven ways to please your man or the mysteries of the female orgasm. And like if my girlfriend was like, Hey, do you want to talk about the seven ways I'm going to please you that I read in this magazine? I'd be like, no, I do not want to talk about that. That sounds terrible. I mean, if she said, how about I lift up my shirt for a few seconds and then we go get some to eat? I'd be like, sounds great. And think of body count for guys and girls from an evolutionary perspective. I mean, if your ancestor, male ancestor from 10,000 years ago had a high body count, it probably meant he was like the chief of the tribe and had concubines or something. And that's sexist. We don't allow that today. But the thing is, is that ancestor's kids, I mean, their dad was the chief. The kids probably grew up, I mean, relatively well. Basically, they lived. Instead of the other kids in the village who died young, they lived and they passed on their DNA. But then your female ancestor from 10,000 years ago with a high body count, um, well, in fact, you don't have that ancestor. If a woman back then had a high body count, I mean, that was not good. That meant there was no man that was keeping the other men away from her, so she didn't have, like, a partner, or her dad wasn't around to keep guys away. I mean, she was probably being terribly abused, maybe as a prostitute, or who knows what happens in war, or whatever, but she probably died and did not pass on her DNA. And when a baby is conceived, it's a much bigger deal for the woman than the man. I mean, they say you lose a tooth for every baby, etc. So I don't know. You get these female rappers. They rap about sex, but they don't want their man to cheat on them, and they want a long, committed relationship. But then they choose male rappers who cheat on them, and I don't know. There you go. Another segment for the Anti-Woke Podcast, Down and In the Bank. Is it bank? That sounds like spank bank. In the can. I've been learning about de-dollarization lately, which is where other countries want to stop using the U.S. dollar. And the dollar is the current global reserve currency, which means that every country has to have a bunch of dollars on hand if they want to trade in between countries. Like if China wants to buy oil from Saudi Arabia, China has to turn its yuan into dollars, and then Saudi Arabia can get those dollars and turn it into the Saudi Arabian whatever they got. I think I'll just tell, call everything a peso. So the Chinese turn their kind of peso into the dollar, and then the dollar is turned into the Saudi Arabian kind of peso. And it's not clear to me why America has control of the U.S. dollar. I mean... It kind of makes sense, but exactly why, I don't know. But America has control of the dollar. 
We're the only country that can print dollars out of thin air, for instance. And the U.S. government controls, controls U.S. banks. That makes sense. But it also has control over any foreign bank that uses the dollar. It just does. And because the dollar is used as the middleman for every transaction around the world almost, or it's the number one currency used for that, it gives the U.S. government control over foreign banks too. And so we can print money and spend money that we don't have, and somehow when we do that, that puts all the pain of that onto every other country in the world. Still working on that theory. But it also allows us to do smart sanctions. So, you know, America's been the biggest, most powerful country uh, since World War II, and we've been sanctioning countries ever since then, you know, like Cuba, communist countries in particular. Um, but that used to mean, like, trade embargoes, or you wouldn't uh, let your... You know, Americans fly into Cuba or Cubans fly to America, travel, you know, trade, travel, stuff like that. But since, kind of since 9-11, we've, we've come up with this new thing that are called smart sanctions, which is like, you know, you heard of smart bombs, which are supposed to be more targeted than dumb bombs. Well, that's the idea with smart sanctions. Like keeping using Cuba as an example. So we've been doing sanctions and embargoes on them for a long, long time, and it just hurts, you know, it's like chess, but it only hurts the pawns, and it doesn't hurt the king. The kings stay in power, and the pawns are put into misery with sanctions. So the idea of smart sanctions was, oh, you just do it to the king and the rook and the bishop, and you don't do it to the pawns. And I think the answer is it still ends up hurting the pawns. You know, why, why is, you know how it goes. The rich always get away with stuff, and the poor people always get screwed. And so we're doing smart sanctions on like 20 countries right now. Uh, famously, Russia had, you know, half a trillion dollars that they had saved up getting ready for their war. And we took away all their dollars. Like, we didn't exactly take them away. They had a bunch of dollars and we froze them so they can't use them because we control the banks. And in fact, they knew that was coming. So they had been switching their dollar, dollars for euros. But... Europe, the European Union got mad at them, and they froze the euros too. So, I think Russia had also they thought about that too, and so they've been stockpiling gold, but they didn't have enough gold stockpiled, and so they just—it's kind of like poof, it's gone, but it's frozen. They lost all their dollars and euros, and so maybe Russia deserves what they got, and no other country should be scared that we would do that to them because they're not doing what Russia did. But you know, there's 19 other countries we're doing it to, and. I guess we did something to Afghanistan. We froze all their money when the Taliban took over. So other countries, oh, you don't have to be afraid. You're not like Russia. You're, you're not like the Taliban either. And you're not like North Korea. You're not like Iran. So the list kind of gets longer and longer where countries are like, yeah, we're not like Russia, but you know, are we completely unlike every single one of these countries you're doing this to? And then apparently one country that's, I didn't even know they're being smart sanctioned, but it's Turkey. Turkey wants to buy weapons from Russia, so we're smart sanctioning their ass. And they're a part of NATO. And now countries all across the world are like, huh, you know, we're a part of, I'm a part of NATO too. <laughs> this is scary. And so the reason why the dollar is so powerful is all across the world, people trust the dollar. They trust that if they have, you know, a $10 bill, 
tomorrow it ain't going to be worthless. You know, it's a good place to stock your money and just whatever. Belief in the value of something makes it valuable. And if maybe America had taken the money away from Russia, but the European Union had let them keep their euros, then maybe all across the world people would be switching from the dollar over to euros. But, you know, now you can't trust, you know, to a certain extent, you can't trust either one of those. And China wants to be the new, you know, they want the yuan or the renminbi. I don't know. They got two names for their money. Uh, they want people to use their, the Chinese peso. But people are like, well, I don't trust America. And now I don't trust euro. But even less than that, do I trust China? So people have to stick with the dollar. But the trust is going down. So trust in the dollar is kind of a thing that America can use. And you, you, you spend it. You... Um, you can make the trust go up and that's good for you, or you can use that trust to do what you want, but then the trust goes down. So we're, we're kind of, we're spending our trust faster than we can make it. And, you know, we'll see where that goes. Like a slate money guy was talking about, there's this debt ceiling thing and then people are gonna, you know, we default and people don't trust the dollar. Here's the funny thing. If there's a giant financial crisis across the world because of the debt ceiling, then everyone is gonna be going for the most trustworthy thing in the world. They're going to, you know, they're like, oh my God, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I need to put my money into the most trustworthy thing, which is still the dollar. So we'll, set, we'll, we'll send the world into chaos and people will put more money into the dollar because in a world of chaos, the dollar is still the most trustworthy thing. And I was listening to the Macro Musings podcast and they were explaining SWIFT. You may have heard of SWIFT. We did when Russia made us mad, we did a SWIFT thing to them. It's an acronym for I don't know what. And I thought SWIFT was how money is sent between banks, but that's not exactly right. Uh, according to this podcast, it goes from account to account. There you go. You know as much as I do. Like, I don't understand how a bank can't send, like, say a bank has a million dollars. Why can't they send a million dollars to one person and send a million dollars to another person and then boom, they just created a million dollars out of scratch. You know, what is the thing that stops that? I don't know. But two trillion dollars is sent around the world account to account. And then there's SWIFT, which is five trillion dollars each day is talked about by banks. And it's of all currencies, so not just the dollar. And after 9-11, um, the European Union said, okay, America's really got to fight terrorism. And so they allow America to snoop on SWIFT transactions. So basically America, we control the dollar and we can snoop on every transaction period, even if it has nothing to do with the dollar. So, you know, if, they're go, if you're going straight from Chinese peso to Saudi Arabian peso with no dollar in between, we can still see that happening because of the SWIFT system. And what's the upshot of all this? I don't know. I just, uh, I'm trying to learn how stuff works so then I can have an opinion. Twitter handle at Anti Woke Podcast. Please tell a friend about this podcast. And thanks for listening.